It's good to, uh, to be together this morning for this uh, wonderful look at uh, God's Word. And I love this insight here in Acts 2 into the early church. This picture of the early church, uh, you get a glimpse, don't you? Jesus has returned to heaven. Uh, the disciples wait in Jerusalem. Uh, the Spirit comes at Pentecost and fills the church. And then uh, a long sermon is preached and people repent as the Spirit works. People see what uh, is going on. Uh, they believe, and then they're baptized. This outward, visible symbol or sign of something that's going on inwardly and invisibly as an act of grace uh, from God. That's what a, a sacrament is. An outward and visible symbol of an inward work of grace in someone's life. Um, just while it's on my remembered, do we have any pictures? Or I put them in the presentation file, but I think I forgot to tell you. Oh, I've been too busy. So there we are. Don't worry. You're not missing a lot, to be honest, what was on the screen. So that's okay. Um, so we've got this. So they, they, they believe they're baptized. And uh, this outward sign of, a, of, of an inward work of salvation, of grace. And then we read that they start gathering together in the temple courts and in their homes. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread. That is, they break bread, they drink wine, remembering and celebrating the finished work of Jesus on the cross. As they do this outward and visible sign of eating and drinking, uh, God is doing an inward work of grace, an ongoing work of grace, strengthening, encouraging, enabling them to persevere uh, as Christians. And um, what I, I've just realized we didn't include in the, in the, in the, in the baptism liturgy, uh, and I only just sort of suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I didn't do the cross, and we didn't say these wonderful words, and these wonderful words are really important. So, um, sorry, Simon, if you can then get back to the baptism liturgy, and Carrie Mamala, if you can just come up for a moment, because we've got these words, and it's about persevering, uh, and, uh, and these words... Uh, I'm going to say, uh, to tell them not to be ashamed to confess faith in Christ crucified, and you're going to say together, uh, no, the one before that, back before the, we went out for the singing, sorry, it was during the, have we got it on the screen, do you think, Emma, do you remember putting that one on the screen? This is it, so we're going we're to encourage these guys to fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, remaining faithful to Christ to the end of your life, okay? So first of all, I'm going to say, uh, we receive you guys into Christ's family. Sign you with a sign of the cross. We don't really have to do that because it's the symbolic cross, but anyway, that's good and symbolic. So we signed you with the cross. So do not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. Say to these guys, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil, and remain faithful to Christ to the end of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Just have a seat again. Great. Yeah, why don't I give another clap? Why not? Clap in the grace of God. Uh, so, so baptism is the initiation into the family of God. The Lord's Supper, communion, the breaking of bread, is the way we, one of the ways we persevere. We keep going. It's the family meal. And so that's why it's so great to have these two sacraments together today. Well, we're celebrating both. We're welcoming Karim and, and, and Mala into the family, uh, and, and now we're, we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper together, uh, the, the family meal. 
Uh, they go wonderfully together, uh, and it's so important uh, God coming to, 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 to strengthen us in a, in a special way. Um, so these are the two sacraments, or the two ordinances, the things that Jesus has instructed his church to do, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we have these wonderful gifts, and it's been great to celebrate the baptism, and we're going to celebrate uh, together with bread and wine. And why are we doing that? What is going on? Uh, particularly, I'm going to think about the, the, the Lord's Supper now. What is going on? Well, we need to think back to the Last Supper. So, um, so if you want to turn back, if you've got your Bibles open to 1057, at 1057, uh, we're there with, with Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. And uh, there are at least two things. There are lots of things in this text, but I just want to bring out two things that we, 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 uh, we see in the Last Supper and that remind us of, of what we're doing. So the first is this, that Jesus in here is fulfilling the Passover. And that means we're celebrating our salvation in uh, the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, the Passover was, of course, one of Israel's greatest festivals. Many of you will know that. You can read all about it in, in, in Exodus chapter 12. They celebrated every year uh, as they looked back to the greatest event in all of Israel's history. Uh, God's people had been enslaved in Egypt, uh, living under hard labor. There was no escape. People were born and, and then died in slavery. But God hears their groaning. God sees their misery. And it's a good reminder that God always sees and he always hears us when we're in times of trial. That here he, said, he sees his people in, in trial and, and here he sends uh, his deliverer Moses. But Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. Uh, even as God sends plague after plague, uh, God uh, is ignored, he's rejected his, his desire for, to have his people free. Pharaoh hardens his heart and, and, and he, he refuses to, to let the people go. And so the final and most terrible plague is announced. Uh, the firstborn son in every family in Egypt will die. Uh, no one will escape this judgment. No one will escape the angel of death as he travels across Egypt. Uh, there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. But God in his grace gives one way to escape. One means of salvation. And he says to Moses, look, every household uh, is to take a lamb, a one-year-old lamb, a perfect specimen, uh, and, and you're to kill that lamb. And you're to take the blood of the lamb and you're to put it on the door frame, on the, on the doorpost and the, the lintel of the door. And, and as the angel of judgment comes across uh, where he sees the blood, he will pass over that home. And so it happened, that terrible, tragic, terrible, awful night as God's judgment comes on Egypt and the angel of death comes the angel passes over the home where the blood of the lamb has been shed. And the firstborn son in that home is, is left untouched, left unharmed, saved and delivered from judgment. And in the aftermath, Pharaoh eventually gives in. He lets the people of Israel go. A whole nation is set free. There's a mass exodus out of Egypt. Uh, liberation from slavery takes place as they begin their journey to the promised land. This is redemption. This is freedom. Freedom for the firstborn on that night of Passover. Freedom for a whole people uh, as God delivers them from Egypt. And after that first exodus, an annual festival was uh, appointed. Uh, the festival of, of, uh, uh, of Passover. The great day of salvation, of deliverance 
is to be celebrated uh, every day, uh, every year. And at the center of that meal is the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is to be uh, killed, that reminder of the lamb that was killed in place of the firstborn child, whose blood was shed as a substitute for that firstborn son, the lamb in place of the child. And so, and so this is what Jesus is doing on this Passover meal. Luke wants to make it really clear. Four times he talks about the Passover. And these are the verses uh, I was going to lead us to. Do you want to pop that screen back up again? Uh, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Verse 7. Uh, Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You see, Jesus is deliberately connecting his suffering uh, which is going to happen the very next day as a fulfillment of the Passover. As he takes the cup, he likens it to his blood that is going to be poured out, connecting it with the blood of the lamb that is put on the doorframe. And as he goes to cross the following day, Jesus will be that sacrificial lamb who takes the judgment of God. So that anyone who shelters in Jesus, anyone who puts their trust in him, anyone who in effect takes the blood of Jesus and puts it on the doorframe of their life uh, so they will be left untouched when judgment comes. They'll be delivered and saved. And so the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, is a, a celebration of our salvation. For the next slide. Now, just as the Passover festival looked back to that great event in the nations of Israel's history, uh, so the Lord's Supper looks back to uh, the greatest events in human history, that of the cross, that place of deliverance and freedom. You know, the Passover background is wonderfully rich. Uh, some of you know much more than, than I do. Uh, do put in your diary if you can, even now. I don't mind if you put it out, get your diary out and put it in now. Uh, Maundy Thursday, Maundy Thursday evening, we're going to have a Passover supper here. We're going to have Alex Jacob from uh, Christian Ministry Amongst Jewish People uh, to come and lead us in a, in a Passover and how it's fulfilled in, in the cross with some teaching and some fellowship and, and worship and, and some food. And it's going to be a wonderful evening. So do, uh, do put that in and we'll explore more of this, this Passover background. So what's going on uh, this morning as we share in bread and wine in a few moments? Firstly, we're remembering the cross. God is reminding us of his great love, reassuring us of his salvation, of our forgiveness through that once for all sacrifice of Jesus, our Passover lamb. Secondly, and briefly, we're going to see that Jesus is establishing his covenant with us, a new covenant, which means we are rejoicing in our relationships with God and with, with each other. Uh, as we'll find out at the Passover supper, uh, there's more than one cup of wine. If you like wine, that's a good thing, isn't it? Um, uh, but uh, the, the cup of wine at the end of the meal, verse 20, if we put the slide up, uh, Jesus says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That uh, word covenant uh, is probably familiar for, for many of you. It's about a relationship. So people talk about a marriage covenant. And it's, uh, it's more than just an open-ended relationship. It's a, a relationship with, with vows and expectations and commitments. Uh, and in the Bible, there's God talks about his relationship with his people as a covenant. You know, he sets his love upon them, uh, but there's requirements, there's expectations, there's commitments. And so uh, uh, as they come out of Exodus, out of, out of Egypt, in the Exodus, they, they get to Mount Sinai, and then uh, Moses goes up the, the mountain, and God gives them the Ten Commandments. 
And he says, look, I've set my love upon you. I love you unconditionally, uh, but now I've given you these commandments so that you know how to live as my people, so that you can rejoice and enjoy relationship with me in the promised land. This is God's covenant. God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the people say, yeah, we're going to do that. But then if you've read your, the, the Old Testament, you've read most of the Bible, you'll know it's just a series of broken promises. Not from God. God is always faithful. But the people disobey the requirements, the covenant, the, the law. They can't keep it. They won't keep it. They keep pushing God away and, and worshipping idols. And so Jesus comes to bring a new covenant. He comes in, lives out the perfect law, lives out the, the old covenant perfectly. He's the only human being who did that. Jesus lives out the old covenant perfectly. Then he goes to the cross to die for the, for the penalty, the punishment that we deserve for breaking that old covenant. And he comes to establish a new covenant. That's what he says in my blood. I'm establishing a new covenant with you. It's new relationship. And the prophets of the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Ezekiel especially, they, they foretold this new covenant. God, through them, God had said, Look, I'm going I'm to establish a new covenant. I'm going to take their heart of stone and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. I'm going to write their, my laws in their hearts. I'm going to send my spirit into them. This is the new covenant that Jesus comes to bring through his death and resurrection and then ascending of the spirit. Instead of a law written on two tablets of stone, Jesus is putting God's law inside of us, his people. Rather than the Spirit just for being, just being for, for special people, in, in, for special roles as it was in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, now the Holy Spirit comes on every Christian in the covenant who come to know Jesus. Uh, rather than needing priests and temples and, uh, to mediate, now in this new covenant, Anyone can, can come into the God's presence freely through the blood of Jesus. This is the new covenant. We can know God as Father. We can be sure of his love in Christ. We can live in obedience to him as the Spirit empowers us to do that. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of the cross and the resurrection. Jesus is establishing at that last supper a new covenant in which we're brought into relationship with God and, and with one another. That's why we rejoice in our relationships. This is a, a family meal. And as we share in bread and wine, God comes to us afresh in a new way, in a special way as, as his spirit comes. Uh, and we draw close to one another. So what are we doing as we break bread and drink wine? Celebrating our salvation. We're rejoicing in our relationships. And so we come to God with our hearts in four ways. We come with thankful hearts today. You know, we come with empty hands to celebrate God's gift to us, a gift of salvation to rejoice in that relationship uh, he has given to us. We are gonna say this prayer of humble access, you, you know it, we, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. Such a wonderful prayer, that prayer that we pray before we, every time we have the Lord's Supper. It's saying, God, I, I could never come into your presence if it was up to me, uh, but you, in your mercy, welcome me into your presence, and I come with a thankful heart because of what Jesus has, has done for me. It's all of grace. And, and maybe you, you are here this morning, and you're not yet a Christian. 
You're not yet put your trust in, in Jesus fully. You don't know that thankful heart because you, you've not experienced his amazing grace. And I just want to encourage you. Maybe even today is the day to do that, to, to turn from, from your, your life of pushing God away and, not, and, 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 and receiving him. And if you're not quite sure whether to do that or how to do that, I'd love to talk to you uh, afterwards. Do come, and, do come and talk about that with me or Neil. But we'll come, when we come to the Lord's table, we come with thankful hearts. Uh, second, and, and third, we come with glad and sincere hearts. That's what um, they did in the, in the early church. Every day, chapter 2, verse 46 of Acts, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's joy, great joy in this meal, and there is serious solemnity. They come with glad hearts because it's a family meal. If you've been in a family, if you've ever sat around a family meal table, I know families often don't have meal tables these days. They have sofas and tellies, but, but it's good. When you gather around a, a meal table, uh, it's sometimes a bit chaotic. If you had little ones, you'll know it's chaos and, and, and a bit unpredictable. And there's, there's talk and there's conversation and there's laughter and there's probably tears sometimes. And, 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 but it's family. And we pray and hope there's, there's joy in the midst of that, that, that family. And that's what this, this Lord's Supper is about. It's about a family coming together to get around the meal table. A friend of mine always tells me his favorite thing about communion uh, is when he's waiting to come up or he's being, had communion, he's sitting in his seat. He loves just watching people coming up. He just loves looking around and looking at God's people and his family. Uh, all with their diversity and all with their foibles and, 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 and just giving thanks. So we come with, we come with glad hearts. Uh, we'll come with sincere hearts. Because we come with joy, but, but it's also important to remember, though it's a family meal, we, we're coming to the holy and awesome God of the universe who created all things. And he's given us his son and we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And so we're to come with sincere hearts too to take this seriously as we come. 1 Corinthians, Paul warns the church not to come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. In the Old Church of England prayer book, there's a section that will be read out the week before uh, they would have communion to, to, to warn people, to tell people, to examine themselves, to, to take this seriously, to confess before God where there's sin, to, to change in their lives. They know they're living outside of God's way, to put relationships right where there's enmity. This is... A serious thing. And of course God is not expecting us to be perfect. We couldn't come perfect because none of us are. We come uh, trusting in his righteousness and, and his mercy. But we dare not mock God by coming to him when we know we're deliberately living in disobedience to him. We're deliberately at enmity with another. So we'll come with sincere hearts. We'll come with, with, with thankful hearts, with joyful, glad hearts, with sincere hearts as we come to God. And, and lastly, uh, very briefly, we'll come with expectant hearts. Because uh, there's those wonderful little comments that Jesus drops in at the Last Supper uh, back in, in, in Luke 22. Uh, he says this, uh, Verse 16, I tell you, I won't eat this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 
Then he says again, I'll tell you, I won't drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus is pointing us forward. Uh, He's pointing us forward to another meal, to another banquet. In fact, to the greatest banquet that we'll ever experience. He's pointing us forward to that day when he returns again, when history comes to an end, and when uh, there'll be a new creation in which the wedding feast of the Lamb will take place, when God's people will be reunited with him. And we will see him face to face and become like him, be set free from all our sin and suffering. And we will uh, rejoice in his presence for eternity. So as we come to the Lord's Supper today, we come longing for that day, looking forward to that day. Thankful hearts, glad hearts, sincere hearts, and expectant hearts as we gather around the table for Holy Communion. Because we're celebrating our salvation We're rejoicing in the relationships that God has given to us in Christ. Let's pray together. We're going to sing when I survey in just a moment. Focus our hearts in song on the cross. And then Neil's going to come and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for the joy of baptism of Kareem and Marla. We thank you uh, now as we come to the Lord's table for the, for the joy, celebration of, of, of communion together. Uh, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to be working in our hearts, that they would be full of thankfulness and gladness, sincerity and expectancy. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.